Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And we are back with Jay Johnson. So you guys probably remember we had our interview, Jay, probably over a year ago at this point, I think, since our last our last interview. People loved the interview. And I said, hey, Jay's one of those guys we've got to get back on. So I'm stoked to, to really dive into that today and see uh, see what's been happening over the last year, what's been changing. You guys have obviously been scaling, which is exciting to see because that's what we talked about last time you were here. Um, and on top of that, I have to apologize to everybody. My face is completely eaten by mosquito bites. I don't know what happened. We went out looking at houses and I came back with bites all over my body. So maybe more apologizing for myself than for you guys. But uh, here we are. I'm still going to be on video. I'll, I'll suck it up and be brave, I guess. Right. Um, but no comments. I don't want to hear about it. So Jay, stoked to have you here, man. So when it comes down to it, Jay, your, your company, if I were to kind of categorize you as a niche, you, you're a training company. Is that correct? Yeah. So, and, and thank you for having me, Josh. It's really kind words. I'm, I'm yeah, super no excited to be here with you. <laughs> and uh, we would really talk about ourselves as we are a company that guides people and organizations to achieve their best behaviors. And those best behaviors are very fluid and fluctuating. So we provide training, we provide coaching, we provide cultural development, but really what we're focused on is empowering people to overcome their behavioral challenges, whether that's at work or, you know, in a larger organizational capacity. Right. Love that. Because, you know, we were talking pre-interview and I was bringing back to mind our, our last interview and of what you guys have been doing in the behavioral sector. And, and even for us in the past year since we spoke, our team has grown exponentially and, and we've gotten to a point where I've realized just how important this is. Because when, you, when there's four or five of you in, in a group, you're like, you know what, we can overcome differences or whatnot. But when you start having a large organization, behavior is everything. And you know, you can hire people in culturally, but then sometimes the behaviors don't match the culture. So I'm kind of curious if I were to kind of give you a scenario here, I'd love to hear your take on it. So if you have if you have a culture and you have a fantastic culture of people, everybody loves each other, it's very familial, they're friends, everybody loves spending time together. But then equality is not being met. So not equality, but a quality of, of production is not being met. What are the behaviors that need fixed and how would you fix them? Yeah, it's a great question. So one of the things that I would look at and kind of start in that scenario is what was it that created the behaviors of trust, of cooperation, of collaboration? And I think that when you start with that level of, okay, do you have good communication behaviors? Do you have good decision-making behaviors? Do you have good work style behaviors? Um, what kind of psychological safety has been set? Because all of those things, especially in a high trust culture, well, those are the things that you can start with and leverage as strengths. And when we are thinking about you know, the potential of, hey, this quality measure is not being met, if you have that psychological safety, if you have that trust and that high performance, how do you then incorporate corrective feedback? Because people are very afraid of giving corrective feedback because they're always worried, am I going to hurt Josh's feelings or anything else? But it's really interesting because, you know, in the, in the Gallup polls and a number of different workplaces, that corrective feedback can actually improve liking, improve trust, and improve psychological safety when done correctly. 
So I would look at the strengths of the organization. What helped you to get to this space? And then utilize those as an opportunity to say, our next big you know, barrier, our next big behavioral barrier is being able to facilitate some of that corrective feedback. How can we tap into that? Um, you know, when I was, and as you were kind of going through that scenario, I was literally thinking to myself of uh, those behaviors, you know, the culture is created by micro behaviors. I think this is something that's often lost is there are a number of micro behaviors that lead to that macro culture. So when people are looking at changing a culture or anything else, they look at this as this gigantic animal. How are we going to change the culture of X, Y, and Z? It's oftentimes very similar to changing a diet plan, to changing an exercise plan. If I just jump in and say, I'm going to exercise three hours a day. Well, not sustainable. It's not going to happen. And you're going to fail more than 90% of the time, just like the rest of us humans. But if I say, I'm going to do two push-ups a day, I'm going to do two sit-ups a day. I'm going to add one new vegetable into my diet plan daily. That's achievable. And those micro actions ultimately lead to macro results. So start with understanding what created the positivity of the culture and then look at micro behaviors that would ultimately lead to us collectively overcoming the challenges that we want to face, whether that's quality, whether that's speed, efficiency, whether that's profitability, any of those things can really be taken down at that micro level. I love that first off, because it does, I mean, <laughs> I like the workout example because that's a behavior, right? It's a behavior and, and a habit or whatever you want to call it that has to be changed. But you mentioned something in there that I, I really like that um, I'd love to kind of dig deeper into, which is you mentioned that having that culture of, you know, likability and everything is that people, it can be a hindrance because people don't express their opinions at times too, or contradictory opinions. And we've run into that many times in my company and in, um, I, I thought it was just us. Cause like, Oh, we have a great culture, but then I'm like, but is it a fantastic culture? Because people aren't ever contradicting me. People are like, Oh yeah, just, you know, Josh knows what he's doing. And I'm like, I mean, I appreciate that. And that fills my love language, but that doesn't, doesn't always move the company forward because I'm wrong half the time, you know, and uh, I'm okay with people telling me that, but then as we've expressed this more and more people have been coming to me, telling me, oh, we have that exact same problem. And so you talked about creating that constructive feedback in a way that allows them to be able to contradict without, without ruining the culture. Do you mind kind of diving into that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I, I kind of share this as, as my metaphor for the situation. As I got older, my parents got way, way smarter. And I started to really appreciate some of the things that they told me that at one point in time in my life, I rejected, resented, and pushed back on. It didn't mean that there wasn't a loving relationship or a loving family in that space. On some level, some of it was my own ego. Some of it was my own drive or desire for independence. So I think we spoke a little bit about the behavioral elements program the last time. I'm very high in that fire element, right? I need to try. I need to do it myself. I need to drive forward. So when you are telling me that I did something right or wrong, I'm either going to want to prove you wrong or I'm going to want to accept that and be like, yes, and we're going to continue to do that. But that's not always going to be the best behavior. Right. When we're looking at something like feedback, part of it is, is understanding how does, not how does Jay give feedback, how does Josh accept feedback? 
maybe my feedback strategy is not to say, Josh, I think you could do this the next time. It might be something where I take it from a more coaching perspective and say, hey, Josh, how do you think you can be more effective with this next time? I think you're doing great. You're doing awesome work here. But I know you and I know you want to take it to from great to exceptional. And I know you want to take it from exceptional to blank. How do you think you could do that? And I start a conversation with you. And so, you know, I haven't really thought about it. Do you have ideas? Well, I have a couple of ideas. Maybe we could explore these together. So instead of me telling you what to do, I've now zeroed in on your behavioral type. And I've also looked at it and said, if I know that there's autonomy and drive and potential and desire to learn and experience on your own, can I offer that feedback? Can I hide that vegetable amongst the cheese to get you to take that in a different way versus somebody else who might be more methodical, you know, our earth elements that I have some structured feedback I'd like to share with you. Uh, Is Friday a good time? Would you be able to walk through me in 20 minutes and I could offer you some different things that you could consider for the future? And I might have a very different approach to that, but it's really about understanding not only the way that I give feedback, but the way that the person that I'm trying to communicate receives feedback. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that that could just open a whole can of worms. So I was like, oh, I just want to ask about each of the different personas and how, how to give feedback to them. But I am curious about one persona in particular, we, we have a lot of these within our company, um, which they're the people who they're actually doing a really great job, right? They, they have their mistakes. Um, but then our concern is like overgiving feedback. Cause they're going to feel like, Oh, I suck. I'm not doing a good enough job when the truth is, Oh no, you're doing great. But like you said, we want to take you from great to exceptional. How do you, how do you approach that? Love that question. Yeah. And oftentimes, so when we think about that persona, right. What is it about what is it about that receiving of feedback that maybe challenges their own internal safety or their own internal security? Um, if I put myself into that persona, I might say, okay, if Josh gives me corrective, constructive feedback or to change something, am I reacting to the feedback or am I reacting to the fact that I haven't thought of that feedback? Am I embarrassed now because, I should have known that. I should have done that better. So in some cases, generating a culture of curiosity and helping people to explore, okay, why is Josh giving me this feedback? Why is Josh perceiving me? Maybe I did think of that. Maybe I thought I was doing that. But instead of me reacting to the actual feedback, becoming insanely curious about it, because maybe I disagree with your feedback, Josh. Maybe I don't like your feedback. But what can I learn by hearing that feedback? Because if that's your perception, this is is one of the most powerful stories that I remember from my days in debate, okay? Uh, In my days in debate, I was was somebody who was, I, I was pretty methodical, but I wasn't the best by any stretch. And there was a member on our debate team who literally ended up winning the number one spot in the entire country, best debater in the country. Wow. I was sitting there and that person was having a practice debate against a team that had no business debating them, right? Not even close. And the debate was so lopsided. The judge that was sitting in there and providing feedback in that debate was at a level that was probably five or six times below the talent level of the person actually debating. So you have a judge 
who's not nearly as talented, giving uh, corrective and constructive feedback to somebody who had way more talent. And I looked there and I was hungry and I was ready to get out of there. I was ready to go on and get some food or, you know, go hit the bar or whatever else. And my colleague sitting there and he's writing everything down. I mean, meticulously writing everything down. The feedback he was getting didn't even make sense. Like half of it didn't make sense. And I'm just like, why are you wasting your time taking this feedback? So afterwards, you know, he got done and we walked out of there and I was like, what are you doing writing all of that down? You know, half of that was not sensical. And a reaction that I got back was so brilliant. And it was, it was one of those fundamental moments that I feel like changed my life because he looked at me and said, well, Jay, yeah, maybe that wasn't the most technically uh, accurate feedback. Maybe that wasn't the best feedback that I could take into the next round. But if this judge sees it this way, now I know how to debate and communicate in front of other judges that see it that way as well. We can always learn something from feedback, even if it's not the best feedback for us, or even if it's not something that we can execute, we can learn about how somebody might be perceiving our actions or our behaviors. They might learn something from that nuanced level. So what I would do is try to instill some level of curiosity. And maybe if I'm offering that feedback, what does that make you feel? I've offered you this feedback. How did that make you feel? What did you perceive? What can you learn from my perceptions of your behaviors or actions on this? And really getting into that sort of curiosity. Yeah, love that. See, I love the story as well because you know it's funny to watch people who really the best, the best of the best. That's how they they move forward. And what's what's unique too is they'll take that feedback and they. I've seen people do this exact same thing where they, they write it all down, like meticulously take notes on even poor feedback. And then they go through and be like, I reject this. I reject this. I reject this. So that they're not ever sitting here in their mind debating with themselves saying, do I accept or reject this behavior? But then they then know, which I love. I never thought about that. I'm sure they then know. And then this is how I need to be reacting to a judge. Um, it would probably be the same thing if you were swimming or you know, in business or whatever, because, you know, this is how I should be treating with someone like this. Um, I love how intentional that guy was about it. Have you been able to adopt that philosophy for yourself? Very much so. And (laughs) it's always interesting because um, the challenge for me is to shut my brain up and tell it, stop reacting, stop putting up a barrier stop feeling whatever it is that you're feeling and listen all the way through. I can ask questions afterwards once I truly hear. So even if I'm hearing something I don't like, something that bothers me, emotions, we don't have control over that. You could say something and immediately I could feel offended. It's not like I can be like, well, uh, I'm going to choose not to be offended by that. What I can choose is my behavioral reaction to that. The autonomic nature of our emotions means that they wash into us and, okay, here we are. Now we can take those emotions and separate ourselves and say, here's that emotion. It's sitting in the palm of our hand. Why are we feeling that way? And we can logically construct and think through what caused that emotion, but the emotion itself hits. The key to behavioral intelligence is really slowing the process down and not reacting to it. And that's where I have to remind myself over and over and over again, let's not react, let's listen, 
Let's listen for key themes, words, and be curious about what's being said. That's what helps me to adopt that philosophy. But I'm human because every now and then somebody gives me the corrective feedback and my fire comes out and go, oh, really? Yeah. And then I have to walk myself back from that just a little bit. <laughs> Behavior is an everyday struggle. It's not you've mastered and you're the Zen master now. Every day you have to make those good, positive behavioral choices. Right. See, now I love that because that, that speaks a lot to me because that's I'm, I am a fire. I actually went through your exam last year, I think. And I, I'm a fire as well. And I definitely, definitely know that because I get that exact same way. And my, my gut reaction always when somebody gives me feedback is like, nope, you're wrong. And then, or like, I don't like this or whatever, but I, I have to do the exact same thing of walking myself backwards and saying, but what are they right about? You know, maybe there is something to be said here. How should I be reacting to this person? For me, that resonated well. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are fire. Like entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs are fire, right? <laughs> Absolutely. If I can offer one tactic, like real usable tactic, it's something that I instill in every leader in every training. It's the pause, breathe, pause tactic. When you have that emotional reaction, one of the things that you can do, it, that emotional reaction comes from the part of our brain called the limbic system, the fight, flight, or faint response, right? So that limbic system lights up. I immediately react. Well, if you've ever been in an argument with a partner or a spouse and you've reacted and you go, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. Or you've been in an argument with somebody and you walk five steps away and you're like, ooh, I should have said this. If you've experienced that, that's the transition between our limbic system and our more thoughtful, rational, cognitive system. Pause, breathe, pause. And what that does is it literally slows down the anxious reaction, reducing cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, taking in that deep breath, oxygen flows into the system, pausing again to let that marinate. Your reactions are generally about 31% smarter by using that simple tactic. And you just have to train yourself for that to be a habit. Don't immediately react, pause, breathe, pause. And you're going to be a much, much better reaction cycle and a cognitive cycle that's going to make sense. Right. I love that. And I hope everybody will take that one tactic and leverage that today, especially if you're somebody who says, hey, you know what? If I were to categorize myself as an element, it would be fire, right? <laughs> um, my wife is definitely fire. She's she's a SAS queen, but uh, we love her because of <laughs> But uh, she's listening to this. She's like, no, I am not. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so I, I, uh, I've loved having you back on here, Jay. So I do want to ask you just, you know, we're, we're going to go a little over here if that's okay with you, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious what's, how you've been leveraging this in your own company, because you guys have been scaling and obviously with the amount of different groups that you've formed and everything that you know how to leverage this very well. So how has this worked in, in scaling out your different groups? Yeah. So one of the things that we've been using this exact tool for is our goal setting practices. We really adopted OKRs, you know, sort of a scaled system that's more democratic in nature, that's more individual focused, aligned to those top objectives. Well, the goals that I set for myself as a fire are going to be very, very different than a goal that somebody who's more of uh, our water element, the drive to bond, that people person they're going to have much different goals and that's okay. All we need to do is utilize that system to align those goals to the top level goals. 
So understanding that if I go to a water, a people person, and I say, I need you to hit this quota, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and very direct, driven, purpose, ambitious, and aggressive, that person's not going to do that great in those goals. That's not their behavioral drive. That's not their motivators. But if I talk to that person and say, okay, you want to establish these relationships, could you establish 15 new relationships by next quarter with these type of people in this type of industry? And they say, well, yeah, that's easy. I, I can make those calls or I can take them to lunch and so on and so forth. Well, now I'm utilizing that behavioral drive to bond rather than my competitive nature or my, my ambitious, I need to acquire nature. So we use the elements and our understanding of those behavioral drivers align those two things like objectives and key results, and then allow them to help develop their own goals. And it's just that same concept of, you know, we always hear treat somebody else how they want to be treated or how you want, how you want to be treated, but it's really about having them, you know, treating them the way that they want to be treated, helping them to establish those goals, frameworks, and structures that align with their own personal drives super, super powerful way to you to take an organization from one level to that next level. Love that. Well, Jay, let's, let's wrap this interview up. A couple last questions for you. I hope people will take that, those actionable pieces of advice you've given them and go apply them directly into their companies. So the, the first thing is where can people connect with you guys? Yeah. So if you want to check out the behavioralelements.com page, you can actually schedule time on my calendar or anything else like that. You can also take a quick free assessment as well as uh, look at the pro assessment with a 27 page report, but you can also reach me at j at behavioralelements.com as well as on LinkedIn or anywhere else. Love it. So make sure you guys go check that out one more time. It's behavioralelements.com. The elements is plural. So make sure you go check that out. Go schedule a time, go through the the tests um, as well. I know, is it a test? Is that what you would say? Yeah. So it's a, it's a assessment that takes roughly about 10 to 10 to 15 minutes to complete. It's not very long for the pro assessment. The quick assessment's even quicker, um, but it'll at least tell you what your primary element is. Right. Which I love. And I've, uh, I've done these assessments. I hope everybody goes and takes these for themselves and leverages these, um, to help them know how to interact with people on their team, people they're selling to and people and other relationships in their life. So Jay, just ask you one final question. Could you give us one final parting piece of guidance before you go? When you think about behavior, think about the micro behaviors. And when we look at that small, that tiny level, it's just like creating a habit. Our micro behaviors lead to our macro behaviors on an individual level. And those are the behaviors that set culture. So when you start to see challenges or when you start to see opportunities, focus in on the exact specific micro behaviors that have led to either your success or failure. And that'll give you a leg up on your competition. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan podcast. If you've learned anything from this or any other episode, make sure you rate it and share it with another entrepreneur it could help. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the flip side.